Let me ask you a question this morning. What cross in life do you bear? Oftentimes when we refer to maybe some troubles that we have, some struggles, maybe some physical ailments, some kind of a challenge, we'll refer to it as a cross. And because it doesn't go away so easily and maybe is always there nagging us, we say, this is the cross that I bear. But today I want to talk about bearing a cross, but I want to put a whole different perspective on it one that we will have as Christians. We're continuing our series of messages looking at real people in the Bible and seeing how their life is our real life and then hearing about our real God. Today we want to look at a man who carried the cross, Jesus, and another man who bore it for a time, Simon of Cyrene. And from them we will learn about bearing the cross of Christ. The account of Simon carrying Jesus' cross is pretty short in the scriptures. Mark records this for for us in Mark 15. And when they had mocked Jesus, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, The father of Alexander and Rufus was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. So what cross do you bear? Let's take a look at it from the perspective of the scriptures, and we'll summarize it with two statements that kind of crisscross each other. The first statement is this. Christ's cross is our cross. So we're going to look at, first of all, the cross that Jesus himself bore and recognize that it's our cross. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, the cross was simply got to be known, as, as we see it too, perhaps, as, as a sign or a symbol for suffering. When we think back to what was done in the Roman times, we recall how the cross was used as a form of punishment by the government for criminals. And the suffering that was involved in that was horrendous. Dying on a cross was nothing less than torture for many hours. And that physical suffering already started before the actual crucifixion. When you were arrested and and no doubt beaten, when you were forced to carry your cross up to that hill, and then when you were nailed or, or tied to that cross and suspended there for many hours in a, in a suffocating position. Now, some people have gone into a lot of detail on studying all the physical suffering that takes place on the cross. There's really no need to, to look at all that detail. We understand it was terrible physical suffering. But there was some other suffering that went along with it, too. We might call it emotional suffering. Imagine being the person who had just been sentenced to death by crucifixion. You knew now what you were in store for. It wasn't as we have in our society today, where putting somebody to death, if it even happens, is rather merciful and quiet. But it was looking forward to knowing you're going to be tortured and and beaten, 
and, and then all the other emotions that went along with it, that as you were going out there, people were jeering you and putting you down and, and mocking you. You felt nothing but hatred and rejection. And, and so we could even say then that the suffering was even relational. You felt cut off from other people, cut off from society. You were condemned. The message of the cross was saying, we want nothing to do with you anymore away from us. Well, we see how that was played out, all that suffering in Jesus' life, certainly. We hear of of the beatings that he endured, the whipping, the crown of thorns pressed on his head, carrying his cross and stumbling under under the weight of it, and then being nailed to it and suspended there for six hours. We, we know the physical suffering. And, and we heard of that emotional suffering too that already started hours before in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen so bad that he even prayed to his Father that this cup of suffering could be taken away from him if it were yet in keeping with his will to provide salvation for us. And then to hear people people you, you loved and, and people you came to save, now rejecting you and taunting you and yelling at you. And that relational rejection was there. Crucify him, they yelled out. We don't want him as our king. And his own followers ran away. But that's where we can stop with the comparison between Christ and what every other person who was crucified experienced. Because what Jesus suffered yet was still so much different than what anybody else suffered. You see, Jesus suffered more than just that physical suffering and that emotional and relational rejection from people. He suffered also rejection from his own father for things that he never did. He was carrying the guilt of the sins of all of us upon himself and was suffering that. And then he suffered the wrath of God being forsaken by God and nobody else in this world has ever experienced that in this life. When we see the cross and think of the suffering, what we should be thinking is, I won't have to suffer for my sins. Jesus suffered for me. Because that cross was the curse for sin. When God created this world and created human beings, he had told them not to eat from that one tree, for they they surely did that, they would die. So there was a warning of a curse that would come. And, And of course, they ate from it. And they did die. And along with that came other curses too. God said, because you have done this, you will now sweat when you work. There will be toil in the land. There will be weeds and thorns in what grows. Work would be a pain. And there was going to be tension in relationships too. And finally, we would die. Scriptures tell us, the soul that sins will die. For the wages of sin is death. And that's what's brought out on the, on the cross. That it wasn't just physical death because of something done here. This was a curse for sin. Listen how the Apostle Paul t- 
tells us that that cross was a curse for our sin. From Galatians chapter 3, Paul writes, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. It's true what I said before, isn't it? That, you know, we like to boast or this, you know, like to feel pretty good about the nice things that we do. And we can point, you know, I, I've kept those commandments. I'm doing this. Here I am in church and I've prayed. And, you know, I don't do those things over there. Listen to what Paul says. Cursed is everyone who doesn't continue to, continue to do everything that's written in the book of the law. Who of us here can say we have continuously done everything? No one. And so there is a curse on us for our sin. But look what God did with that curse. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Yeah, when I look at the cross and I see it as a, as a curse for sin, I can have this assurance that Christ became the curse for us. Yes, it was horrible physical suffering and emotional and relational suffering. But the worst was that judicial suffering that Christ was made sin for us and suffered the curse so that we won't. Well, let's, let's talk about us. Real people now. Real life. And look at Simon. Here was Simon from Cyrene, a country in the northern part of Africa. Today we might say it's Libya. He made the 800-some-mile trip to Jerusalem because it was Passover time. He was a believer in God, and he was coming to offer his Passover lamb. But look what happened. He met his Passover lamb, the one who would be sacrificed for him. And so there is that message for us. We will not suffer for our sin because Christ's cross is our cross, our curse. That's what the prophet Isaiah was talking about 700 years earlier when he wrote this. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds, we are healed. We bear a cross. In faith, we know that that cross that was meant as a curse for sin became Jesus' cross. He suffered for me, and so I will not. You know, as human beings, people who have a sin nature, I think we tend to do two things in regard to our sin. One is, we tend to minimize it. Right? Well, everybody does this, or it's no big deal, and I didn't get punished because I didn't get caught, or whatever it might be, and we don't see the, the impact, the result of that sin. Well, look to the cross. There's the impact. There's the result. 
God is serious about sin. It kills. It killed his son for us. And so when I do have guilt over my sin, and, and we should, there's something to do with it. Not to wallow in it, but to unload it. To put it off on the cross, because that's what God did with it. He doesn't want us to carry the guilt of our sin. He wants us to lay it all there on the cross, knowing it's been taken away. Now, the other thing I think we we tend to do as sinful beings with, with our sin, when things go bad in life, sometimes we say, God is punishing me for my sin. Now, he's reminded me of my sin, and, and this is his way of, of punishing me for doing it. But that punishment was all there on the cross. God is not punishing you. Yes, what we experience may be the result of sin in this world because we've ruined this world because of sin. But it's not punishment. It's not punishment. So when we think that way about our sin... Come to the cross and find their healing and peace. Sometimes I, I wonder what people are looking for when they come to church or why they don't come to church because maybe they're not getting something <laughs> that they want. You know, you may have come today and, and there might be some financial concerns on your mind uh, maybe some physical ailments, some um, uh, relation problems. There might be all sorts of things. Now, because you were in church today, doesn't probably fix all of those things. <laughs> in other words, you're probably going to leave and you still have the same financial problems, the same relational problems, the same health problems. But I hope you have a different perspective on those things. It's not punishment from God. And there's healing and there's peace that comes because of the cross. You see, the cross can change your life. It did Simon's. Let me show you. You see this verse? A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Now who is Alexander and Rufus? <laughs> this account is written three times in, in, in the three Gospels, but only Mark mentions Alex and Rufus. Why? <laughs> well, Bible scholars believe that Mark was writing his gospel account of Jesus' life for the Roman Christians, the, the Christians in Rome. And when you read Paul's letter to the Christians in Rome, when he extends his greetings to key people in that congregation, he mentions Alexander and Rufus. The cross that Simon bore that day, the cross of his Passover lamb, changed his life. He knew where his guilt and curse was put and taken away. And he told his sons, Alexander and Rufus, and they were prominent members then of that Christian church in Rome. You see, the cross changes our life. It changes the way we live and what we say. So let's take a look at another perspective on what it means 
to bear the cross of Christ. And here's that second statement, kind of a crisscross of the other one. Before we said Christ's cross is our cross, now we want to say our cross is Christ's cross. That is, the cross I bear in life is Jesus' cross. I want to ask you this question. Where were you baptized? Now, there's a lot of people here, and we'd probably have a lot of different locations where people say, well, I was baptized in this church or at that place. Did you know that we were all baptized in the same place? We were baptized on the cross of Christ. As the Apostle Paul tells us, when we were baptized, there we were crucified. We died and were buried with Christ. Listen to how he explains this in Romans 6. And this is where we start bearing the cross. He says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Our sins were put away. They were crucified, died, and buried with Christ so that now we've got a new life. And that's what baptism is. It gives you new life in Christ. Listen how Paul goes on. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. You see, we've been given a new life, a life on the cross. And that's why Paul started out this section by simply saying, we are those who have died to sin. So how can we live in it any longer? God has now given us the power to say no to sin, to live a life away from sin. And we don't do it perfectly. But we have that power to live a changed life because not only were we crucified, died and buried with Christ, in our baptism we were also raised with Christ to a new life. So, knowing now that my new life started with my baptism on the cross, let's talk about what that life is. It's a life that I live under Jesus cross. You remember these words of Jesus? He said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, when he was talking about denying ourselves, he wasn't talking about, oh, I've got to give up chocolate and I've got to give up all sorts of fun things and I've got to live some life of asceticism like a monk out in the desert? Not at all. He was talking about denying your self, your sinful self, denying that you have any role in your salvation. You have none. You can't save yourself. Deny that and take up Christ's cross as your way of salvation. In other words, He's urging us to have submission to the will of God with trust, with faith. 
Just as Jesus submitted himself to the will of the Father by going the way of the cross to save us, so God wants us to bear the cross of Christ in faith. That means to hold on to it as my means, as my only way of salvation. And just as Christ submitted to the will of his Father, so I will submit myself to God's will, whatever that might be in my life. Now, I believe that when Jesus said, take up your cross, it wasn't just about submission to him and faithfulness in following him. I think it also included suffering, because the cross was clearly a sign for suffering. But let's remember this. The suffering we have in life is not punishment for our sins. We've already talked about that. The punishment was on Christ. So what is that suffering all about that he wants us to submit to that? Well, I'm going to give you three words, and they all start with the letter P. So those of you who are in 7th and 8th grade and you're taking sermon notes for catechism class, I want to see three words with P's on your notes. (laughs) The first word is persecution. Persecution. Taking up the cross of Christ means being identified with him as a Savior. And sometimes that means there will be persecution. We saw how that happened to the Christians in the scriptures. We hear about it throughout world history. And unfortunately, we hear about it even in today's world, you know, even in our own society. Certainly, it's not like what Christians of the past or in some parts of the world experience, but we experience some of that too. We experience now the intolerance toward Christianity. Don't talk about your faith. Don't bring it in here at work. Don't push it off on others. Don't make it a requirement of this or that. We're experiencing some of that, and friends, it's probably going to get worse. But there's another kind of suffering that God talks about as well in our life, and that has to do, and here's that second P word, perfecting, perfecting. God wants us to see the struggles, the the problems we have in life as his means of perfecting our faith. That is, removing from it some of the weaknesses and impurities, meaning he wants to make our faith in him stronger. He wants to draw us to himself through that suffering. Listen how the Apostle Paul, in this section from 2 Corinthians, talks about suffering, both from the side of persecution, but also from that side of perfecting, God refining our faith. He writes, We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. Therefore, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Paul saw that refining, that perfecting process God was working through that suffering. And as we go through that, one more thing to think about. starts with the letter P, and that's pleasure. God wants us to see that persecution we experience and those other sufferings as he refines us as something to take joy in. Jesus himself said, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
And the Apostle James tells us to see with joy this perfecting process that God works in us through suffering when he writes, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So that's our life under Christ's cross. When we see the benefits of it, in faith we have that trust for our salvation. And with faith we can see the purpose for the suffering and then rejoice in that. No wonder then Paul will say this about our life of bearing the cross of Christ. It becomes our boast. That's what we talk about. We don't need to talk about all the good things we do. We don't need to talk about how great this church is or all the things we do. Or this. Let's just focus on boasting about Jesus Christ and his cross. That's what Paul said, as we heard earlier. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. It's not just with our lips that we boast. It's also with our living that we boast. How we live our life. Just a few chapters before Paul made that boast, he talked about how the cross changed his life. He writes, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. My boast now is in my Lord and how he has changed my life from a slave to sin to a slave to righteousness. There's a, a new movie out in the, in the theaters called God's Not Dead. And I took uh, some of our high school students to see it uh, this past week. It's about a, a college student who has to stand up to his atheist professor in a philosophy class who is trying to get all the students to admit God's dead. So get rid of all that thinking and just think about human philosophy. And this young man would ref refuse to do that. And so he takes on his professor and has to prove to him God's not dead. And throughout the movie they show scenes from other people's life and the different things that they are experiencing and how they come to realize that God is their source of comfort, help, and salvation. God's not dead. Take a stand and simply live by bearing the cross of Christ. When you leave this morning, you'll have the opportunity to pick up a little wooden cross at the side doors. And it's got a little chain on it. You can put it on your key ring. You can put it on your backpack. You can just hang it from the mirror in your car, whatever you want to do. But let that cross be a reminder for you this is what I bear now. And let me close with the words of a, a little poem, A Cross in My Pocket. Maybe that's where you're going to put that little wooden cross we're going to give you. I carry a cross in my pocket, a simple reminder to me of the fact that I am a Christian no matter where I may be. This little cross is not magic, nor is it a good luck charm. It isn't meant to protect me from any physical harm. It's not for identification for all the world to see. It's simply an understanding between my Savior and me. 
when I put my hand in my pocket to bring out a coin or a key. The cross is there to remind me of the price he paid for me. It reminds me, too, to be thankful for my blessings day by day and to strive to serve him better in all that I do and say. It's also a daily reminder of the peace and comfort I share with all who know my master and give themselves to his care. So I carry a cross in my pocket, reminding no one but me that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life, and so he lives in me. My friends, what cross in life do you bear? If you were to ask Simon, he would say, I bear the cross of Christ, and gladly. If you ask the Apostle Paul that, he would say, I bear the cross of Christ, and gladly. So let us answer proudly. Say it with me, please. I bear the cross of Christ, and gladly. Amen.